And we are live, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crypto Gaming Institute Podcast. My name has been your host, and today on episode 69, wink, wink, we have Mr. Brett of Capital Gains Tax Solutions. Brett, we've known each other for a couple of years, and you're the man. Uh, super excited for you to come on the pod today. Ben, it's great to be, be reconnecting with you here after a couple of years, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for the folks who um, didn't get to hear our first episode years back, uh, would love to really get a um, quick recap of your story and your background and how you really got to where you are today. And then let's dive into some tax stuff for crypto. <laughs> it sounds great. So, yeah, I started out um, in the commercial real estate industry, and that's when I learned about how to invest into real estate and brokerage in uh, 2006 at a place called Marcus and Millichap. Fell in love with like cash flow and freedom and ways to create and preserve wealth through investment, multifamily real estate. And during that time period, um, I learned from some really smart people and it was 2006 and things were going really, really, really well. But then 2008 hit, I don't know if you remember Ben, but all of a sudden things changed and changed drastically quickly. And I found myself, especially in real estate, making, a you know, just getting some momentum, getting going to like, almost like flat on my back financially. Like, how am I going to make it? How am I going to survive? You know, my wife and I uh, we had our first baby on the way and all of a sudden we're looking at student debt, looking at these challenges and we're like, you know what, uh, either going to go get a, go get a real job, right? Get the W2 full, uh, you know, versus kind of the hundred percent commission, you know, big opportunity or, or B get a side hustle and move with your brother into a small condo and figure out a way to keep the lights on by working, uh, a, a place called cheesecake factory. So that's what I did. So my days I'd work at Marcus and Millichap pursuing like my dream of like real estate and, and making it big in my career. And then by night I'd work cheesecake factory to keep the lights on and my wife home full time with our daughter. And so we did this for two years and it was humbling to say the least, because up to that point, I'd been very successful in college and basketball and scholarships and all this cool stuff. And but while I was going through all of that struggle, so were my clients. See, a lot of my clients that were millionaires maybe weren't having to work at the Cheesecake Factory, but they were having to re out, readjust the way they approached their wealth planning and their exit planning and things called 1031 exchanges, which can put people in a tough position to have to overpay for properties. And so they're having to negotiate with banks. I saw one good gentleman, he owned $50 million of real estate. He was pretty highly leveraged, but he literally lost everything in the next three years. And we're going, what happened? And part of what we identified was a thing called a 1031 exchange or what we call a blockbuster way of exit planning. It wasn't giving him that diversification, that liquidity, that ability to buy a property or other assets at optimal timing when it made sense for him. And so many others faced that same thing. And so we were looking around for what happened. We identified the 1031 was the problem. And then B, what could we have done better? And we identified something called a deferred sales trust. And so, and by that, I mean, our, a gentleman, my business partner came in and he was the guide to this part of the story. And he started to teach me what it is and how it's kind of like the Netflix way of exit planning. Fast forward, I started to apply this strategy to help my clients. And I started to teach and send them referrals and you know, fast enough, they said, you know, you know this almost better than anybody, Brett, why don't you go and uh, become a trustee? And why don't you offer this and train CPAs, why don't you train financial advisors, you know, cryptocurrency experts, how to do this so that they can create and preserve more wealth and not feel trapped by capital gains tax. And so that's where we are. It's t I, I applied that, I retired from the Cheesecake Factory, my wife and I have five, five kids full-time. She's been a full-time mom. And uh, I've been able to pursue the dream of being like an entrepreneur and we launched Capital Gains Tax Solutions a couple of years ago. And now we're here hoping to serve the cryptocurrency world for something that's been done for a long time for real estate and businesses, but it's just kind of brand new for crypto. I love that. So 
you know, for the folks listening, this episode is going to be a little bit different than a lot of the other episodes. You know, typically we have gaming folks on, metaverse folks, but there's just so many things that we need to protect ourselves from in from the perspective of wealth preservation. Um, and Brett, you're the man with this stuff. So, you know, really, really excited to, to really dive into some of these strategies here, but just kind of wanted to give give the folks a little bit of heads up. It'll be a little bit different, and I, I think it'll be unbelievably helpful. So make sure you, you whip out your notepads, um, get your get your digital uh, your digital paper out and get get ready to start typing. Um, so Brett, take us through um, a couple of scenarios of different people um, and, and who let's let's identify a few scenarios and talk about how to best protect wealth. So let's let's talk about scenario one where it's the person who's just getting started. They don't have a tremendous amount of wealth, but they want to lay the foundation so that they can grow in the most efficient and effective way. So that's kind of like it's like slot one slot two, maybe they're in their wealth building phase and they figured out how to make a ton of cash. And now they're starting to think about, okay, well now I need to put that cash to good use. And, um, you know, so high earner, but not really sure about how to protect stuff. And then the third category are going to be people who they already have a ton of assets and, and a ton of wealth, and they're looking for some better ways to manage that. And maybe through those three lenses, we can kind of capture all the buckets of people out there and for whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, we have some actionable steps. And then if you think about it, also we're providing a roadmap for people to go from, I got nothing to, I got the world on a string. Okay. Excellent. And that's a great way to put it. Right. And so I think the first thing, you know, you always need to do with whatever wealth plan that you're trying to accomplish is clarifying your vision for um, the why behind what the money is going to help you to do, right? Whether that's spend more time with your family, whether that's start that business venture, whether that's retire from that W two job, whether that's uh, get passive cash flow that comes in to support causes you believe in, and whether what, whatever that might be. You know, I know for myself, Ben, it was always I wanted to get on the other side of the phone, and the phone was I was cold calling people who had highly appreciated multifamily million dollar properties. And it was not only helping them to sell those and transact, but also learning the business so that I could own those someday so that I wouldn't have to be making calls per se. I could be spending time traveling with my family or whatever else. Coaching basketball is one of my passions. And so always connecting the why behind what is it that you're doing every day, whether it be taking the risk and investing in cryptocurrency, whether that be you know working really hard to earn some extra cash, whether that be saving a lot so that you can invest into to more, more investments. And so clarifying the why and the vision is number one. And then number two, it's exercising that muscle of creating like a budget. Like, so for the person who's at the floor, like my wife and I started out, even though I studied business in college and grew up in, in, in real estate and cash flow stuff, I still wasn't one to practice a budget, right? And paying off debt and, 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 and living below my means. And so we paid off like I think it was $65,000. We did the Dave Ramsey plan for, for like 26 months and we nailed it. We got all the student debt out of the way, all the credit card debt out of the way. And we basically, we got fit, right? So like, so if it's square one, make sure you have that budget, okay? Number two is started to create opportunities to get cash flow 
you know, and I think real estate is a, is a huge thing for me that's helped to do that. And it could be small amounts and it's exercising that muscle of investing with partners or by yourself, a little bit of both. But the key is that educational piece. Like you want to make sure that what you're doing, you're learning and you're growing your mind and your muscle of exercising the investments, right? Or creating wealth. And that's the, that's the concept. It's not just the outcome of, oh, did I invest in a, a, a coin and it, it hit X and then it hits a Y. I have a client, for example, we did an Ethereum exit and he bought Ethereum for $100,000 in Bitcoin, kind of a mix, and it went to 13 million. And I asked, his name is Peter, and he worked in the tech industry for about 10, 20 years in Silicon Valley. And I said, Peter, what gave you the fortitude to hold on during the ups and all the downs? And he goes, Brad, I've been in the industry for a very long time, but I've also studied Ethereum and Bitcoin for a very long time. And I had certainty of conviction that it was the future for for a lot of different things and he went on to share those things and, and, and how how ethereum is applicable and the the practical application of it and all that and i i sat there going like i understand real estate to the way you understand crypto but he understood it so well that he had the conviction to ride the highs and the lows so it's the certainty of conviction for whatever you're investing in that makes all the difference and so for him though the other thing was his wife she was an attorney. She wasn't in the tax. Uh, she wasn't in the tech world, and she was ready to get out. She's like, "Honey, we can like sell this thing at six million in 2017. It hit like six million from about a hundred thousand. She's like, "Let's get out." He's like, "Well, hold on. We have a huge tax, so it's not just about the appreciation. It's not just about the certainty of execution. But then once you become the multi-millionaire in crypto or real estate, we like to say it's about the exit planning to make sure that you're not just gonna." give it all the way to the government, right? And the government has provided legal ways to do this, but it's also your job to learn about the education of this, right? And this is where this all applies. So I'll pause there, Ben, see what you, where, where you want to take the conversation from here. Yeah, totally. So as far as thinking about a purpose of why we're doing this, I think a lot of crypto people are similar. Obviously, um, you know, feel free, everybody, to, to throw your thoughts and, and your whys and everything into the comments, wherever you may be listening or watching this. Uh, but, you know, I can only really speak for myself. I think it'll have a lot of similarities, but f complete and total freedom of being able to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, and to not have to worry about the decisions made by any one group of people. Um, for example, a governing body um, to determine the value of um, value of our wealth. So having having freedom of time and a significant amount of buying power and being able to have resiliency in where our wealth is stored, whether it be you know different coins, um, different tokens, etc. And then for me also, so there's like the preservation and the freedom side. And then also for me personally, I want to be able to help fund and invest in and build the metaverse and really cool and interesting projects in the metaverse because I believe it's going to be unbelievably important to humanity and we have to do it right. And so I want to support the, the projects that are helping to build that out in the right way and vote with my dollars and my time to build that out. And as a function of supporting things that do good for the world, continue to to get fabulously wealthy and at, at the same point so that's kind of the why and then as far as the the second part of um making sure you're cash flowing and and getting um you know getting what you need there 
Um, yeah, I mean, that obviously that's incredibly important. And there's so many ways within crypto to do that, obviously outside of crypto as well. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, cash flow can come from, of course, real estate, but also obviously within crypto too, there's so many ways to, to get that. So anyways, as far as moving forward with the conversation, yeah, let's just talk about more solutions here. Um, you kind of laid a good framework for like how we should start thinking about it, um, but you're the expert here. So take us to the next step. Yeah, Ben, and you brought up some good points there, right? Build projects that you believe in, right? That are going to create good for freedom, for for time, for energy, for for um, for transparency, for for ways that you know funds are moved. You're right, not having to be tied to something that's completely out of your control. Part of why I've also found that those who are in crypto also like investment real estate. Especially more, you know, I found that those are in crypto typically are not wanting to invest in the stock market or wanting any part of that, right? Um, th because real estate is something you can get, at least get your hands around, right? And then you can you can you can improve the property, you can serve the tenants. Now you're still subject to some governing bodies with rent control and different things that can come into play, but and in the, in the, but but it's a tangible thing that you can control, um, a lot of control of it, right? Um, and it can produce cash flow. But back to that that story, I want to kind of connect the dots here for freedom, being able to build what you believe in. So um, that particular client, his name is Peter. Uh, he ended up exiting at um, when when um, ETH hit three thousand was his was his mark, right? And so it went to six million. It dropped back down. It crashed after I think in two thousand eighteen. It crashed. Then it went back up to nine million, and, and here early in 2021, and he's looking at it again. And I sit down with him, and I say, "Hey, what do you want to do?" He goes, "Well, a, we want to travel more, spend more time with our kids, but b, I want to go serve the cryptocurrency community. I want to retire from my W2 job working for the big tech company, and I want to go build my own company that serves the cryptocurrency community." And he goes, I go, okay, well, what does that look like? He goes, well, something along, you know, finance, something along, um, you know, trading, something along, something there. He's, he's working that out. He goes, but here's the key, Brett. I want to know that if I can exit my $13.5 million position, that I can defer that tax and use those funds to, to fund that business venture, or I can use those funds to go buy an investment real estate property. And this is the part where if you're a crypto million listener listening to this, you want to focus on what's called tax flow and how do we efficiently use the funds that you would have paid to the government to fund your next business dream. And so step one, we formed a trust. Step two, he exited. He didn't exit all 13 and a half. He exited five to start. And uh, and then he also put it, he's, he's waiting, to, he's formulating his business plan. He wants to buy, uh, we live in Northern California, so it's a place called Lake Tahoe. And he wants to buy a uh, Airbnb condo on the lake. It's kind of like a dream of everyone who lives in California in general. And then he wants to rent that out, use part of it, some of it for his family and stuff. But then he wants to start a, a crypto business here in the future. And so this is the part where it's amazing. All tax deferred, instead of paying about $2 million of tax, he's able to exit when it made sense for him. The other side of that is his, his, his wife. She, just, she wants to retire too, right? And so... They can live off the cash flow of this trust, pay some tax slowly, but they get the full amount, kind of like an IRA, kind of like a 401k. So he liked it so much that about two months later, he exited another two and a half million dollars. And then we had another client who is who was in Bitcoin and she bought it for 50,000 and it went to 50 million. And she worked for a big tech company in Silicon Valley and she's in her 20s. And she wanted to build a business with her college roommate. And that vision was, an educational online academy, something kind of like Khan Academy, but but different. 
and and focusing on educating uh, even a broader broader um, um, uh, group of folks. And so all of the things that you're talking about building in the metaverse, you know, it can be building real estate, it could be building businesses. You can do this in a tax efficient way and versus giving it to the government. And that's the key. Like, what are the rules that the government has laid out for us? How do we take advantage of those rules? Just like an IRA, a 1031 exchange or a 401k or the deferred sales trust. That's the key. Know the rules and be able to exit smart versus exiting with a bunch of tax. Totally. So let's go back to our three buckets. Is this, can this be applied to all three buckets? And at what point of their life cycle do we need to, do we need to think about this for the, for the people getting started, for example, do they just need to put this idea in their back pocket when they do hit it big and, and then be thinking about, okay, well, this is my exit plan, or is this something that they can really set up now and do like, I'm just trying to make sure we, we speak to the right people. And so everybody kind of knows how to think about this idea. Yeah. Great question. So our minimum size deal is 1 million net proceeds, $1 million gain. So who is the deferred sales trust for anyone who has highly appreciated cryptocurrency, a business, real estate, primary home, public or private stock. Okay. It could, we just did a deal for a dentist out in New Jersey. Okay. We just did a deal for a farmer out in Texas, right? We did a deal in Palo Alto for a primary homeowner. And then, the, and then we're doing an NFT deal right now that's in the hundreds of millions of dollars for a client who um, who's in his thirties and he's looking to exit. So for the new person, yes, I think you always want to be new or old person. It doesn't really matter. You always want to be planning your exit plan, right? Because the hardest thing about cryptocurrency and why we believe the deferred sales trust is so valuable is that it takes away, uh, you know, it's like the fear of missing out. It's like the fear of paying the tax. Like, I mean, it's deferring the tax. Like you can exit when it makes sense for you. And you can also buy back into cryptocurrency with the trust, all tax deferred. So you can sell high and buy low. And it's that idea that if, if you could exit when you know it was the right time to exit, and you could defer the tax and invest into different things, real estate, you can put it into the stock market if you want to, you can put it into businesses, other cryptocurrency, all tax deferred, that puts the leverage of time on your side, okay? And so, so again, if you're the new person, I'm 1 million, 1 million. Now that might be multiple coins. We have a client right now, she has 40 coins and she has $2 million worth of value. And so in that scenario, you would say, well, that's 40 different transactions. Well. There's ways that we can structure it into an LLC and work and work this in a, in a creative way that works for this, okay? We use Kraken, by the way, and these things do take some time to set up. And so so it's never too early to get educated, but yeah, we do want we do want to have some 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 substantial value. And the reason is is because if the tax isn't big enough, then then our fees eat up the savings. So it, it, we kind of kind of correlate. So I hope that answers the Understood. question, Ben. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. So, okay. So for the, for the beginners and the ones that are on their wealth building journey, um, give us some, give us some quick tips, give a, give us some actionable items. So it seems like set up an LLC or some sort of legal structure and then own the crypto through that business. Is that kind of like the, the easiest low hanging fruit there for, for the beginners? Close. Yeah. So if, if you have, if you have just a couple coins that trade on Kraken, right you like for example we did bitcoin and ethereum those are the two we've done so far and these are these are both very very liquid coins that that trade on on kraken so that end of the day all we did was have them transfer the the btc and the eth to the new trust account 
So there was no exiting to cash, right, or anything else. It just went straight to there. And then from there, the trust exited and provided them a promissory note. For those who are wondering, by the way, what's happening here, you are loaning the funds to the trust in exchange for a promissory note, and therefore you're not taking actual or constructive receipt. So you're in a deferral state. It's known as a seller carryback. A deferred sales trust is, is based upon IRC 453, thousands of closes, billions under management. It's been used for, for decades on businesses, real estate, and uh, and artwork collectible stock, but for the first time about 180 days ago, we did it for for those for these cryptocurrency ones, and so that's the easiest way. We don't even need an LLC. We can just transfer the coin and make an exit. And so we exited five million of ETH with my first client Peter within an hour. He was transferring it live. We were watching it together, doing it. It's, I, we kind of want to write a little book on it. It was so it's kind of a cool story. But the point is that's simple. Now, if you have other coins that are not necessarily tradable without making a transfer like to ETH, right? Like it might be something that's not that's not on a major a major uh, Coinbase or Kraken. Then we would transfer to an LLC. So you'd have that LLC, LLC in place. By the way, transferring to an LLC is not a taxable event. It's only when you exit the position, right? But you would transfer that LLC to the trust and then the trust would exit it and you would get that promise. So there's all these little steps that we help you go through. So hopefully that answers the question, Ben. Yeah, I love it. So be prepared. Be prepared for an LLC. Um, be be thinking about that um, if you're if you're still building your wealth. And then just a, a quick a quick one. And then I do want to jump into you know the the big shebang for our our, our whales here. Um, let's talk about for the for the smaller guys. Like, is it worth it to in your mind? Is is it worth it to try and trade your way up? and like be jumping and, and hopping between different coins and and entering and exiting positions rapidly because knowing that you'll have to pay some sort of short-term capital gains tax or have you seen the people that are at the whale stage where they then really want to come work with you more closely like did they just make a really smart buy and hold until it appreciated up like what did the people do to get from a minnow to a whale that comes see you um, what was, what was like the, some of the common threads there to get them through that minnow stage? Yeah. So first of all, the deferred sales trust works for short-term or long-term. Okay. So if you have short-term or long-term, we can work for that. However, it needs to be big enough. Okay. Of a gain, right? So this is, this is something where if a million dollar gain, million dollar net proceeds, it's big enough. We can do this. Okay. So if you take a position at 500,000, it turns to 1.5 million in a month. Guess what? That's a million dollar gain. We can do, it's short term because it's not a year or more. We can still work for you, okay? I wanna let you know that. But if it's a bunch of small little short terms, our the transactions are gonna be too big or, or um, too small and the, the expense is too big with, with, with our team to put it all together. Okay, so, um, but uh, number two, yeah, so those that I've, I've only done it with two clients and he in the first one, Peter did it with five million and, and then two and a half. The other one, um, not um, privileged to share the name, but she did it. For five million of her fifty million of Bitcoin, and and then plans on doing it for for future amounts. So in other words, she's dollar cost averaging out when it makes sense. And the key is they had a vision for where the wealth is going to be and what that's going to provide for them. So they had certainty of their vision, and then they had certainty on the legal aspect of it and the team, which is our part of it. And but also they're both of them aren't exiting all of it at all at once, right? And this is the other thing. They also didn't buy it all at once. They slowly dollar cost averaged in. And they were patient and they were long-term. And the key here is they had certainty of conviction of the future of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And by the way, my Bitcoin client, that's all she buys. 
She's 100% Bitcoin. She doesn't buy anything else. And she had never sold. This is the funny part. In fact, well, she bought, when she first bought Bitcoin years ago, the first day it dropped 8% and she sold the next day. And this is a small amount. Then she's like, oh, what am I doing? Like, like, let me just get back in. And then she got back in. And from that point on, she had never sold. And she rolled up her $50,000 investment to $50 million, okay? And never sold because she, A, didn't have a great exit. B, she still believed in the future. And then C, she didn't want to pay the tax. And so until those things come together, so it's not a one-size-fits-all. But what I can tell you is they were fully immersed, experts in their field, brilliant people who had certainty of conviction of the long run of the crypto. That makes sense. Okay. So we're not trying to just like trade a bunch. Like we're looking, we're looking to make some really calculated decisions, place bets, let those bets play out over time. And that's, that's what we're seeing. Okay. So now let's, let's move on from the, from the guppies, from the minnows. And by the way, we love the minnows. Everybody's important in this ecosystem. Um, Okay. So now we're talking about whale. So we're a whale and we're going around eating krill, but we're ready to we're ready to uh, to tackle some of these um, solutions here. Um, let's say we want to make an exit, and you know we have like let's say 10, 20 million that we're we're looking to cash out and and exit out. Um, let's talk through the the vehicle, the trust, and like let's talk through the actual process of like. What's the most efficient way to, to exit and keep as much as humanly freaking possible? Yeah, this is the most exciting part, right? And they, I don't know if you heard of that story of Roger Bannister, right? When he runs the four-minute mile, he, he breaks it at 359. And people for the longest time thought it was impossible or wasn't doable or that his, people's lungs would collapse or the heart would burst. And then all of a sudden he does it. And then moving forward, like another like 40-something people do in the next year or whatever. And, and anyway, so it's this huge moment. And for us, that happened on August 7th, 2021. And that was the deal that Peter did, right? And and for the longest time, it had only ever been done for for um, for businesses and real estate. The Deferred Sales Trust hadn't done it for crypto. And, and people had tried, and they tried to get it. We, we, we had to work with Kraken on a Coinbase, by the way. It was just really difficult to, 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 to work with. They're just so busy. Not that they wouldn't be great. We're still working on them. But Kraken has been amazing. They've been amazing and great customer support. And they, they got it. They asked a ton of really good questions. But we broke the four-minute mile when we exited on like a cold Saturday day when I'm driving over to, to, um, to the East Bay. He calls me and says, Brett, I'm ready to go. Um, um, he's, he's been due diligence for six months. He's, you know, met with the financial advisor, met with the tax team, my team. We went through it all and boom, within an hour, he had transferred 5 million small chunks at a time and he had deferred about 2 million of tax, which was huge. Okay. So, so the deferred sales trust for ultra high net worth individuals, not only did the first capital gains tax, right? But number two, it also moves all of the funds. It can move all the funds outside your taxable state. Here's the key without moving to Puerto Rico. Without having to give you a citizenship, right? You can have freedom with your time, your energy, your location. You can defer the tax. It's deferral, right? It's not tax avoidance. 
and we are putting it to the government to say, hey, we, we exited our position, but we exited into a trust, just like, hey, we put our money into an IRA or a 401k, very similar, right? Or we put it into a 1031 exchange. You are stating your position, but you're slowly receiving payments back from the trust and paying tax over time. The government is no stranger to tax deferral. Um, they give it to us all the time for different things, and they're in the business of incentivizing us to do the things that they can't do very well themselves and hoping to create more tax revenue. So take the example of the cryptocurrency um, um, former um, big big tech employee. She's in her 20s. She exited 5 million of her 50 million of Bitcoin at about 54,000 was the target. Now that 5 million went into uh, a business venture that's gonna create jobs. It's gonna create tax revenue for them. It's gonna create taxes from our company because we have fees. They're gonna, it's gonna pay her back slowly. She's gonna pay tax on that. Guess what crypto, which Bitcoin went from? It went from 54,000 to 68,000, but then it dropped down to like 36,000. But that 5 million exited at 54,000 a coin. And so that's a great, great example of why the government's going to incentivize her to exit to create more jobs and create more tax revenue. So the first thing to understand is it's 100% legal. And I have one story to, to help people understand this um, with the deferred sales trust, because I know there's a lot of people that are presenting different things for people to exit cryptocurrency with taxes, but not a lot of them. I don't, I don't touch. We only focus on one. And the reason we focus on that one is that the deferred sales trust is because it has the track record that's literally batting a thousand. It's perfect. And this gentleman, it's a gentleman named Bill Gross. And people probably don't know who that is per se, unless you're in the financial advising world. But he ran with a guy named David Young. These guys are like the, you know, uh, Mark Cubans of the financial advising world. And they, for 20 years, built a company called PIMCO from 80 billion to 1.2 trillion. They're very successful. They all, they all retire. And David uh, gets a call about four years ago and from, uh, on the Deferred Sales Trust. And he's like, you know what? Let me look at this thing. It might, be, it might be legit. I'm not sure. But he does a two-year due diligence. And you can imagine these guys get approached by people all the time trying to have them sell their thing. And they're just, especially the tax thing. And they're saying, no, no, no. Well, he does a two-year due diligence with his legal team, with the tax team, and they join the inner circle. They put their name on this, right? And so this is big. This is really big for the Deferred Sales Trust. They're part of the inner circle advisory team. They'll manage some of the funds should the client want to have them as a part of the team to manage the funds. And that speaks volumes, right? Because these people are very successful, very sophisticated, money, money, manage money for some of the largest wealth in the world, and they're willing to put their name on it. And so what I always say to people is first understand that it's not just some random person on a podcast with Ben talking about this, some very successful, um, um, highly respected, best in class in the world have reviewed this with their legal teams and that's 100% legal. Once that clicks and you know that it's legal, I'll pause there. We can move into the protection of the cash, the flexibility of the investments. But is that making sense, Ben, on this first one? Yep, it sure is. Yeah, so we can move on to the investments now, right? Now it's about where can, how can the funds be invested? Now, most cryptocurrency folks that are ultra high net worth want to be able to, again, not necessarily move to Puerto Rico or have to give up their U.S. citizenship, want to be able to invest in other businesses or real estate, maybe even some of the stock market. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to throw the stock market under the, under the bus completely for all crypto folks. But um, a lot of them are going to go back into crypto. Yeah. There's a, there's going to be a lot of that. Cause the whole reason why most people got into crypto in the first place was they don't want to have to, they don't want to have to deal with the regulations of the stock market mm -hmm. and, and, um, and 
things that are super highly controlled by um, one governing entity. Yep. And so there are some stipul- there are some um, I guess pros and cons. We'll talk about the cons of the investing part, especially as it pertains to that. So we do need to keep twenty percent in liquid investment grade securities, which would be the stock market. Now these are some of the biggest companies in the world. You know, Costco, Netflix, Google. Um, it, it could be um, really you have to approve of all the investments. So we we have that stipulation. Part of the reason is. We don't want to over concentrate into either one single entity or, or asset class. And part of what we're doing here is we're diversifying. So my client who exited the 5 million of the Bitcoin, right, into the deferred sales trust, uh, she was able to put 4 million into a business venture that she's going to be an active, active owner in. And that's the educational business with a partner. So she's doing that. The other million is go, basically it's going to the stock market, but it's she has to approve the, the investments. So we do have some stipulations. So it's not perfect, right? Nothing's perfect. And part of that is to keep liquidity for the trust and keep some stability because we don't want to over concentrate. It's really, really what it comes down to. However, she could also go back for a, a portion of that, could also go back into cryptocurrency. So we have a deal that's closing uh, in two weeks and this gentleman is selling out of an apartment complex in Denver, Colorado. And for the first time, he's he's going into crypto from real estate. So he's exiting real estate, a highly appreciated. It's like a four and a half million dollar deal. He's deferring about a million and a half or two, about a million and a half in tax. And then he's putting a big chunk. I think for him, he's going to put 400 to 600 into crypto for this. So there are ways to do this, but we have to kind of follow the guidelines that have kind of been laid out to us by the uh, the the tax attorney who created this. So I'm gonna pause there. Does that make any sense there, Ben? Any questions there? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like the the vehicle comes with the rules and yeah, in order for it to be fully legal and compliant and stuff, you have to follow the rules. I just always want to make sure that I'm I'm trying to put myself in the position of the whale that's ready to exit. And if I come in and I make it, you know, ten thousand X in crypto, the thought of then having to exit crypto and not be able to go like not like I want to exit crypto. I want to lock in some gains and store my wealth. I also went to crypto because I felt very confident about that being a good store of wealth. So it's like, you know, there's there's almost this tension of like, okay, I want to exit, but like what am I exiting to? Because I was fleeing from something that now I have to exit into. Um in let's, let's do a case study. Place. Okay. This is this is I think this is perfect, right? Let's do a case study. So uh, I told you about the uh, potential client we're working on right now. He's got a couple hundred million dollars in an NFT one. Okay. And I met with him and, um, we, we, for two days, we spent some time together and I said, what do you want to do with the wealth? He's like, well, I actually want to buy multifamily self-storage facilities, multifamily investment, real estate. I want to buy Airbnb rentals for part of it. I also want to go back into crypto, but he goes, but I want to get a little more stability because his his stuff went to like, you know, like 300 million, then it dropped to 100 million, and then it's kind of been all over a little bit here, right? And so he's like, I just want to get some stability with some of the cash. So the first thing is he doesn't have to exit all of it all at once, okay? And also optimal timing, right? If you think Bitcoin, for example, it went to 68,000 or so and dropped to like 35,000. Well, guess what? A Monday morning quarterback, you would have exited everything at 68,000, right? you would have put it all into the deferred sales trust. It could sit in the bank. There's no like, you don't have to like force it into the stock market right away, right? Like you can dollar cost average. There's no timing restrictions as far as like when funds have to go into something, right? 
you can put it into real estate or business or back into crypto portions of it. But the point is you're, you're optimally timing this, right? A lot of us um, know when it's a good time to sell for certain for certain assets, especially if you're really entrenched in, in, in your particular coin, right? But if you if you could take away that tax pressure, that's the game changer for this, right? This is the three this is the three minute and fifty nine second mile, and that yes, you can go back into crypto with the trust all tax deferred, but you can exit small positions as you exit out. But but more than all of this is you can diversify into real estate, which creates cash flow. But more than that, it creates depreciation to offset the cash flow. So in the beginning, I said it's no longer about cash flow; it's about tax flow. I think I said it in the beginning of this conversation. But the tax flow part is so important because you want to be able to take income that can be offset by depreciation. In cryptocurrency, you cannot depreciate. You also cannot depreciate stocks, but you can depreciate real property, okay? And real property, there's a cool video, and the video is by Grant Cardone. And uh, Grant Cardone does a video on commercial real estate tax. Look up basically um, Grant Cardone commercial real estate taxes. And, and how like the rich and wealthy use the tax system. And Robert Kiyosaki says it very well too. The purpose of a business is not to make a profit. The purpose of a business is to buy real estate. And the reason is you have to study the way wealth is not only accumulated and made, but also how it's kept away from having to pay a bunch of tax. And the way you do that is by buying investment real estate. You get cash flow from this. And by the way, you can be passive. You don't have to be completely active in this thing. There's really smart people who do this all the time. And you can you can get depreciation to offset cash flow, and so it's understanding these different metrics of not just buying something and making appreciate, but exiting well to get the tax flow treatment of depreciation. And I'll leave one other one. One other one is this: estate tax. Okay, so capital gains tax is just the tiger by the tail, but for the ultra high net worth crypto whales, it's not just about capital gains tax. It's about a state tax, which is anything above 22 million, 23 million married, 12 million single. Anything above that, Ben, is going to be hit with a 40% death tax. Okay. So that particular client that's worth hundreds of millions, he's in his thirties. I'm like, Hey, A, we can defer your capital gains tax, but B, let's get it outside your taxable estate. Because if you were to pass literally all of it's inside your taxable estate, 40% of that's going to go to the government within six months. It has nothing to do with a stepped-up basis. So you have to understand what's going to happen and have a game plan for that. Here's the cool thing with the Deferred Sales Trust. In one single day and one exit on you know within an hour, we can move all $100 million outside of his taxable estate, save 40% of anything above $22 million, which in this scenario, he's, he's married, so he gets that $22 million. So on about $80 million, Ben, and he has more it's than that, by the way. It's significant. It's $32 million of tax elimination of the estate tax, okay? Without giving away to charity, without giving away to U.S. citizenship, without moving to Puerto Rico, without buying a bunch of life insurance. And so this is the part where it's like that amazing, but you got to spend time with us. You got to get to know us. You got you to gotta, uh, plan the exit really well. So the part that I like, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not trying to FUD the idea in the slightest. I'm, I just I want to attack it from different angles just so we can really flesh the idea out. What I like, though, is the idea of if you're going to make an exit anyways, then this small piece that would have to go, it may not be that small of a piece, but this piece that does have to go into securities, let's just assume that that is just kind of the cost of doing business. It's not because it is a, it is an investment in and of itself, but that could just be the cost of doing business of, of cashing out of your crypto. And 
what you'd be betting on then is the amount that you're able to defer in taxes, you can make that money work for you. And correct me if I'm wrong here. You're the expert, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud. The amount that you defer in taxes, because you get everything all at once through the trust, you can then take that money and make it work for you to make even more than what you would have had to pay um in taxes and because it's deferred you can put that money to work and so net like net net you should be coming out ahead because even though you obviously you have to pay taxes you know do pay your taxes do it right um but pay them in the optimal way so you're pushing the taxes out which gives you more time to make more money with your money and you put a little bit into securities but then you could do whatever you want with the other part within reason um and you know legality morality so on and so forth and so the idea is net net you get to make your money work for you and you get to push out the taxes so that you have more time and you're putting time on your side. And even if you want to go back into crypto, okay, great. Well, now you can do it in a way to where you get to preserve more. Am I understanding that right? You nailed it. Exactly right. You would have paid 30 to 50% capital gains tax, potentially, depending on where, where the laws go here with increasing rates, depending on a short term or long term. Anyways, so yeah, that 20% that stays. By the way, it could be in different, it could be in uh, different companies that you believe in, right? That makes sense. It could be companies that serve the cryptocurrency industry they're coming out with more and more um um you know traded funds that are that are crypto focused right like there's like it doesn't mean that it has to you're not you have to approve the investments that's the first thing right nothing ever moves without your approval or your signature you have 24 7 access to do the funds online everything's protected there it's just a way to diversify a portion of it keep some liquidity in it and you still have to approve the investments but you're, you're not giving up the biggest thing for for real estate and crypto owners is we want that control right you're not giving up you're not you're giving up um some you have to follow some guidelines right but you have what's called indirect control meaning that you have to improve of all investments and all timing of things right nothing moves without your signature or approval so once you get that they're like okay i got a team that's gonna help me defer the tax i would have paid it anyways yeah i gotta keep it in in some securities but i can also go into real estate i can also go into crypto i can also start a business wow i have all these cool flexibilities i can sell high i can buy low all tax deferred, like that's that's the value of this whole thing. But yeah, it, nothing is perfect, right? We got to follow some rules, but yeah, that's that's the essence, Ben. Totally, and I'm not even as concerned about finding good companies to put that capital into. I'm more trying to think of from a currency risk mitigation perspective, where people are not super happy with how the U.S. dollar is being treated. And we need to have a hedge against the low, the dropping of buying power of the U.S. dollar. And so that's really the angle that I'm getting at. And then that to, my next question is, are we able to then diversify from a currency perspective? Like, do we have to hold it all in dollars? Could we move some of it to different types of currency, both outside of and within crypto and is that a part of the strat as well or is that just like whatever has to go into securities okay that's obviously dollars that's there and then the rest we could just kind of do whatever we want with it within the confines of legality and morality yeah the number one one is investment real estate right i mean we can't put it into a primary home because that's taxable it's like personal use but i have a client um they uh they sold a 7.6 million dollar property in georgia 
deferred about 1.1 million of tax, paid about 4.6 million off of debt, and they they had the funds, the majority of the funds invested into passive real estate deals, right? These are hard, these are um, multifamily value add, uh, different parts of the country, diversified at different times, and so in that sense, the dollars went into hard assets, real estate, okay. Um, but also he could also have put some into cryptocurrency. So yeah, exactly. There, it's, 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 it's very flexible. It, it's determined based upon a couple things. One, the risk tolerance of this, of the individual, right? Their income needs, um, their timing and their net worth, right? And their sophistication, all of these things kind of add up to, to, we have a team that's going to, going to help with this, but they ultimately make the, the, the decision one way or the other, nothing moves without their approval. Now, part of, part of how this thing works, by the way. Full disclosure, and I'm a trustee. I'm a third-party unrelated trustee. Important, like if Ben was going to do the deal, I'm not related to Ben. I wasn't his college roommate. I'm on his. I didn't. I, I didn't work for him, right? Um, like I can't be a son or daughter to somebody else. Um, a, son, a son or daughter couldn't be a trustee for somebody. Like it's got to be completely third-party unrelated to be able to execute this. And part of that is this keeps it from being taxable. Just like you don't own an IRA company or a 401k company, Ben, if you're putting money into that. Like a custodian, that's my role. So I've got to approve too. They've got to approve. And that keeps that separation from you having what's called unilateral control. So it's by committee, but you have like veto power, right? So one way or the other must be approved. So you got to ride this bike with us, right? That's the biggest thing. People are like, I've never heard of it. Like there's some complexities. Yes. But guess what? The tax code has 10,000 pages, right? And there's little secrets in there that if you meet with the right people and they've done it, they can unlock what you're trying to do. And that's what we've been doing for 25 years, thousands of closes, and now it's with crypto. And the question is, how do we apply it to your scenario? So it's a lot of, there's a lot of ifs and thens, right? And that's the, why we, we offer this all at no cost, no obligation, right? We will assess your situation. We have our free mastermind. We have our book coming out. We have our YouTube channel. We got it all, right? But you got to spend right. time doing the homework, getting certainty on the tax structure, getting clarity on your exit plan, and then hiring the who, which is us, to help you execute it to pull the trigger so okay so let me put out a scenario and i'm trying to think of like okay what's the best way to play the game right so we let's say we we put in 100k rode that up to 10 mil we're ready to exit so we exit out we want to put we have to put a certain amount of securities okay we'll figure that out then we want to put some back in crypto and we want to make a couple of bets there. And then we want to put some into some sort of hard asset like real estate. So we get some cash flow, we get some depreciation. And then if we if we use that money as let's say a down payment and we borrow some from the bank to to finance the rest of the real estate, after you know, five, 10 years, we can refinance as we've paid down the debt with the rent. We can pull that money out and that's debt. So we can do some cool stuff with that. Could we then put the debt back into crypto or do we have to pay ourselves with the debt? And then and then this is this really cool circular um, virtuous cycle here. Like you nailed it. We, okay. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that sounds like an amazing, and I'll put the real numbers here, right? Let's just say 10 million goes in and let's say you would have paid, I don't know, let's say 3.5 million of tax. Let's call it 35% or let's call it 30%. Just keep it simple. 3 million of tax. So you would have either had seven without us, but instead you have 10 with us minus some fees, immediately two of that would go um, in a bank account, 
to be prepared to go into securities, right? Investment grade securities at, at the optimal time. By the way, you can also you can also hedge and protect. There's some really smart people that we work with that help you to do that, you know. And so, but yeah, so that's a two. The other five, let's just say, goes into investment real estate, of which you put a down payment on a on a on a ten million dollar property, and you increase the rents, and it appraises for fifteen million in a couple of years, of which guess what? You can refinance, and you can pull out cash tax-free at that point and go invest back into crypto, no problem, okay? So you can ride that amount. The other three million can just go into crypto right away. You could um, you can invest into some crypto. So that all depends on your risk tolerance, your net worth, kind of those things. But yeah, that's kind of a, a good framework to work with, Ben. So let me ask this question then. With this structure, it's a trust, right? Who do you who is the who owns the trust and who like who's the beneficiary and how does that work because if i'm if i'm a 40 year old and i have some kids and i'm building super i'm building a lot of wealth here i want to set up my kids but i also want to live a very comfortable life myself and i want to have the option to just go dark and nobody ever hears from me again and I don't ever have to lift a freaking finger, you know, so how do, how do we, how do we think through these things and how do we, how do we pay ourselves or pay all of our expenses so that we could do whatever we want? And we're, you know, yeah. Talk us through all that. How's that all? Work? Okay. Yeah. So remember the nature of this, the nature is Ben has a, a, has $10 million of which he's the owner of the crypto, but instead of taking that and paying the tax of three, he's going to, uh, sell, uh, or I'm sorry, transfer it to the trust in exchange for a promissory note. So Ben has become the lender. He's become the banker, right? It's known as a seller carryback. And the trust is going to sell it to the ultimate buyer and get the 10 million into the trust account. And here's the key. So you are not the owner. The reason you're not the owner, because if you just sold it to yourself, it'd be taxable, right? So capital gains tax, which is my company, is the owner of the entity, which is a single entity business trust, by the way, that only does business with you that never commingles the funds, right? That need your approval to move everything, right? Okay. So that is the protections we have in place there. And you have what's called indirect control, but it's like a bank, right? If you were to go to loan a, a, for a bank, right? For your house and then you say, hey, I'll put 10% down for a 30 year loan. Bank says, cool, Ben, you own the house, but you owe us the money, right? So make your payments every month. If you don't, we'll foreclose. Make sure you get fire insurance, Ben, or we're going to call your note due because we're not going to take that risk. So it's the biggest thing for people is understanding that you're changing your ownership hat to a lender hat. So by definition, the trust, the DST 1.0, you're not the beneficiary. You're not the owner. You're the secured lender, okay? Secured lender. And so, by the way, secured lenders have rights and protections and arguably even stronger than ownership, okay? Like banks aren't concerned, Ben, that you're not going to pay your your mortgage because they'll just foreclose on the house like legally that's what they do so the same thing with this you're not concerned that the trust isn't going to pay you back because you can just present the promissory note that's what you're the owner of you own a promissory note and you can foreclose on the trust and take take the um the assets right that are that that the collateral has been secured against also the funds aren't going to be moved without your signature so you, you have you have those protections okay so that's the first part now we have a dst 2.0 which is a little bit different it's typically reserved for ultra high net worth huge deals like 10 20 30 million dollars and above now that one, your kids can be the beneficiaries, okay? 
Now, certain things I can say and I can't say, you know, because we got to get everyone like on NDAs. But that one's pretty cool, right? Because if you pass away and you're, and you're, and you're, you're married and your, your spouse passes away, the kids can inherit it estate tax-free, which is phenomenal, right? Because it's outside the taxable estate. Oh, by the way, on that $10 million that you exited with us, let's say, and you're in your, you're in your 30s, right? And by the time you, you pass away, that $10 million grew to $70 million. In and out of all of these deals, different things. Also, all of that is, it can be outside your taxable estate. So you're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, Brett. I'm building the foundation to make sure that the government, which by the way, wastes the money away faster than we could even, you know, snap our fingers here, right? Yeah. Is not with them and it's with our family, right? Without giving away to charity. So, so yeah, so hopefully that answers the question there. Does that make sense? Any questions on that? Yeah. So I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be something that people just have to wrap their heads around. And, you know, whenever you're looking for a solution like that, you're a whale, you have a ridiculous amount of resources and you definitely need to understand things. And as you know, cause you're the whale that got yourself to that point. Like you just need to find like experts to talk to and, and just kind of think through this stuff with, um, I have one more, one more hardball for you because again i love i love playing devil's advocate and i think it's worth um talking about all this stuff because if i'm a whale i'm this is like my life's net worth so i'm going to make sure i do all my due diligence um so thinking about keeping everything in crypto and that's attractive to me as a whale um i can put stuff in cold storage nobody can touch it ever um ownership's a big deal for me um what if I just never sell? I hold everything in there. And in order to do the things I want to do, I go to a money market um, project like Ave or Compound or um, Curve or something. And I, I can deposit my crypto and you know deposit whatever I want. And then I can borrow against myself. And I can then use that borrowed money to do whatever I need to do and pay for all my expenses why would I ever have to sell or have to make any sort of exit at that great, point? Great question. So what you're doing there is, is, is deferring or just delaying capital gains tax because you haven't exited the position, right? And what you're doing is you're, 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 you're like staking, right? You're hundred million. Let's just say, and you're like, I'll just, I'll just, you know, hedge against it. And at 30%, 40% LTV or something like that, and and slowly just just spend it however i want to and that's the that's the tiger by the tail and that's one way to do it some of the challenges could be that the value of you know bitcoin goes from sixty-eight thousand down to thirty-five thousand, right and there might be some margin calls there might be some challenges there there might be some things there that are that are part of that but that's just focusing on the capital gains tax so the big whales estate tax right is really the big thing to look at that's the elephant in the room Capital gains tax is the tiger by the tail. You got to get a hold of that one, but that's not eliminating the estate tax. So hypothetically, you know, you, you die tomorrow, the kids get the stepped up basis on the hundred million, but guess what? Within six months, the government says, Hey, we need, we need that 40% of anything that was above the, uh, uh, above the exclusion amount from your parents. So is that great? No, that's not great. Right. Because now they have to sell anyways. And so, but all of this is assuming that the value stay the same. What we provide with the deferred sales trust is optimal timing. Sell high, buy low, sell high, buy low, right? That's what our parents taught us to do. Not just not sell when we know it's a time to sell, 
because we don't want to pay the capital gains tax. And so, yeah, it goes back to your premise you said earlier. If you're going to sell anyways and you think it's a good time to sell, don't let the capital gains tax trap you from having to not sell, right? Number two, look at your tax flow situation with estate tax. Um, number three, remember, we can exit a not depreciable asset into an asset which is depreciable, which you can get tax-free cash flow and something that's stable, right? Stable in the sense that it's not going, you know, 30% one day, 30% the next. So it all just depends, right? So I don't know if it's a, it's a simple answer, but that is one way to do it. And I, by the way, if you had 100 million, I wouldn't say put 100 million with us tomorrow. You might start with five or 10 or 15, maybe 20, and slowly work your way up. That's kind of what my um, both of my clients have done so far. I mean, she she only put five million of her 50 million. The other client put seven and a half of the 13 million. And so their dollar costing averaging out. So hopefully that answers the question, question Ben. Yeah, totally. And again, I'm not fudding the the idea at all. I just want to make sure we're thinking we're thinking this through because and hopefully you agree, and I think you do, like at the end of the day, what we're looking to do is help people preserve wealth in the best way possible for them. I know, you know, my whole goal is to really grow the metaverse and we need people with a lot of cash to be supporting the metaverse, both with time, effort, reputation, thought, and cash wealth uh you know money so yeah yeah by the way let, let me also make it very crystal clear like 100 million goes out tomorrow 80 million on like a business venture like that that they're going to be actively involved in 80 percent could go to that business venture to go build the metaverse totally right like, yeah. like like when you're active it's super flexible and it's like you can go a big amount it's when you get passive that we've got to be more diversified but if you're like actively in crypto and that's what you're doing, like we can be we can be more aggressive, right? So these are these are the um, these are the, uh, the 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 depends situation. So no, I completely agree. And at the end of the day, we're just here to provide options. Our name is Capital Gains Tax Solutions with an S plural, right? Not solution, right? We're not called Deferred Sales Trust Solution. It's <laughs> it's right. And so there's different solutions. <laughs> You know, um, there's a few that we really focus on opportunity zones, right? Um, deferred sales trust, 1031 exchanges, um, Delaware statutory trust, charitable limited trust. But remember, the only ones that work for cryptocurrency are deferred sales trust, which we think is the most flexible. Opportunity zones, but you're giving up basically all your control to typically a third party on some properties that may or may not make sense for like 10 years to see the benefit. Um, not very entrepreneurial. Um, or charitable remainder trusts, which are great if you want to give it all away to charity, right? So that's the part where we don't really, we just we don't do charities because, I mean, we love them, but we'll just defer it out to somebody else. But most people want to have the flexibility and the entrepreneurial aspect of, of the deferred sales trust. So that's why we focus on that. Totally. Um, Brad, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Um, Obviously, we, everybody has your um, information already. We saw that um, in the in the description as well as um, on the screen right now. So people know how to find you. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, thanks for sharing your time and enlightening us with some good capital gains tax solutions. Can appreciate I plug the you. book? Can I plug the book? Go for it. All right. So the book, Build, Building a tax for Exit Strategy. The proven playbook for unlocking your ideal wealth plan when selling assets of any kind for yourself or your clients is going to hit hit the Amazon and hit the other places in about 30 days. And we got a cool guy named Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. He's going to be in the book as well as David Young that I talked about. And so they have their chapter there. And so um, pretty cool. So check that out if you're interested to learn more and get connected with me.
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And people who grab the book and um, write a review on Amazon, if you send me a screenshot of your review and you can prove that it was you who uh, who wrote it, I'll buy that book for you. So um, I'll do that for the first 10 people. Um, anyways, uh, Brett, you're the man. Appreciate you. Everybody watching and listening. Y'all are also the collective woman's and man's's. And uh, yeah, appreciate y'all. And I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye.